Uh, good day and welcome once again to our Bible study. Today we'll be continuing on in the book of Matthew, chapter 24. We'll be covering verses 26 through 31. And just kind of reviewing a little bit what we've been talking about is Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. And he's talking to his disciples about the end times. And he's giving them descriptions about what to look for at the end of the church age and at the end of the age as we know it today, this life on earth, right? So we had discussed and we had said that in chapters, in chapter 24, in verses 4 through 15, we see that Jesus is speaking to his disciples about disciples. In other words, he's telling his disciples about the church age and what to look for. In other words, he calls them birth pains, right? And we know what they are because he says, you know, when there's wars, you're going to hear of rumors of wars. There's going to be pestilence and diseases in plurals, right? Natural disasters in plural. All this happening pretty much at the same time, right? So it gives us an indication where we are on the prophetic calendar, so to speak, of how close we are to the rapture of the church and to the end times, right? Before that the wrath of God takes place, before the wrath of the lamb takes place and we know that jesus kept telling us right you're going to be deceived because in verses 4 through 15 he says make sure that no one deceives you in other words the deceiving is going to come from inside the church right but we also know this in last week's lesson he's and this week's lesson he's talking to his disciples but it's not about the church because the church has already been raptured up He's talking to his disciples and he's speaking to the Jewish people in particular and to the nation of Israel in verses uh, 16 through 31 is what he's doing, right? In other words, he's telling them this is what's going to happen after the rapture of the church. You can expect these things to happen. And that's the wrath of the Lamb, the wrath of God. And why I say the wrath of the Lamb? Because at the end, we know this from the book of Revelation that all power is given to who? The Lamb, Jesus Christ, by the Father. So God gives all power to Jesus. Because when Jesus comes back at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, at the second coming, because there's two different events. There's the rapture of the church, and there's the second coming. And the rapture of the church, we know that God doesn't come all the way down to earth, right? In other words... We're going to speak about that in today's lesson. That, that, that God, and it's only for believers. And the second coming, however, it's not for believers because the believers have been raptured up. The second coming is for who? The nation of Israel. Because the nation of Israel is left with unbelievers of this earth. And you might ask why. Because the nation of Israel rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah. So in order to get them to turn to Him, right? To trust in Him, to obey Him, to realize that He is the Messiah that they messed up. He has to put them through the wrath of God, the wrath of the Lamb. So we know that the, the wrath of the Lamb is coming. All this is happening in the last three and a half year period of the seven year tribulation period. It's coming from who? It's coming from Jesus Himself. That's who's pouring out the wrath upon this earth. And again, why? It's to deliver, it's to deliver Israel, it's to get rid of evil and wickedness in this world, but eventually it's to do what? 
is to set up that millennial kingdom, right? Because we know what's going to happen. There's going to be a coalition of Muslim countries coming together in the last days. And it's going to be a world power. So prophecy tells us that we should keep our eye on Iran. Because Iran is going to play a major part of what is to come with world wars in the near future. And they're going to build a coalition and they're going to come against basically Israel. But seven other kingdoms is going to join them. Right? And remember, towards the last days, towards the end times, there's a lot of chaos in this world. There's really not a leader. Because everybody just wants power to take over and control the world. But this Iranian coalition is going to rise up, this Muslim coalition, with seven other kings from around the, the world. And they're going to rule the world. And basically, it's going to look like there's no chance whatsoever for Israel. Because the whole world at the end times is coming against Israel. But the prophet Daniel tells us, right? That there's a ram and a, a goat. The ram is Iran, the Muslim coalition. The goat, it's a shaggy goat, he says, is going to be of European descent. It's going to rise up. And to the, to, to the amazement of the whole world, it's going to defeat this Muslim coalition. Right? And they're going to come to the defense of Israel. And they're going to sign a seven-year treaty with the world, with Israel. And I believe this empire, this beast, because that's what beast means, empire, that they're going to fund the third temple that's going to be built on the Temple Mount. But at the halfway mark of that seven-year peace treaty, hence seven-year tribulation, right? He's going to break it. And he's going to go into the temple, more particularly, go into the Holy of Holies, the most sacred, sacred place in the temple. He's going to stop all worship and sacrifice and tell everybody, you need to worship me. And how you worship him is by taking the mark of the beast. And you don't take the mark of the beast by deceit. You're going to know it's the mark of the beast. Because without the mark of the beast, you can't buy or you can't sell. And that's when the nation of Israel is going to do what? They're going to know they was deceived, that they were fooled, and they're going to rebel against the antichrist and that's what ushers in the wrath of the lamb for three and a half years and we know from last week's lesson that jesus says if the father wouldn't cut the day short there would be no survivals so we know that in the last three and a half years the days of this earth as we know it time so to speak is going to be cut short in order for that remnant of jewish people right because Jesus says, when you see the abomination that causes desolation, he talked about that in, in uh, verse 16, 15 and 16. He says, run to the hills, run to the wilderness. But you see, two-thirds of the Jewish people will not. They're going to stay in Jerusalem. And they're going to be murdered, crucified, so to speak. But one-third is that remnant. See, God is a God of, of a covenant God. God remembers his covenants with his people. And God's going to remember the covenant that he made with Moses. The Mosaic covenant. And he's going to be faithful to the Jewish nation and the Jewish people. His chosen nation. His chosen, chosen people. And at the end he's going to remember. He's never left them. They left him. But he's going to come back to rescue them. To bring them victory. Why? Because that one third when they flee to the wilderness... For three and a half years, God's going to protect them. 
That's his remnant of his covenant people. He's going to bring them to faith in Jesus, Messiah Yeshua, right? And we know at the end of that three and a half year period, the last three and a half years, they're going to cry out to God. They're going to cry out to Yeshua. And they're going to quote Psalm 118, Blessed, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And when God hears that, he looks to Jesus, his son, and said, now's the time to go. Now the time is to go back to set up that millennial kingdom for that thousand year reign, which will eventually usher in the eternal kingdom of heaven with that new city coming down from heaven, the new Jerusalem. Now we know, we know that Jesus, right? Jesus, the Lamb of God, he came to take away the sins of the world. But when he comes back, he comes back the second time. He's not coming back to save. He's coming back as a warrior. He's coming back as what? The lion from the tribe of Judah. He's coming back to get rid of evil and wickedness. And when he steps foot on the Mount of Olives, the place that he's teaching right now, that mountain splits in half. And when that mountain splits in half, there's a valley that forms. And the Bible says that's what ushers in the millennial kingdom. That thousand year reign where we rule with Jesus with an iron fist on this earth. We're sort of ambassadors to Jesus in that millennial kingdom. Because we are believers. Old Testament saints, New Testament saints. Gentiles, us who believe We'll be raptured up. We'll be saved. We will not go through the wrath of God. How do I know that? 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. The Bible says the Apostle Paul that we are not appointed to wrath, but instead appointed to salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So with that being said, open up your Bibles to Matthew 24. Let's look at verses 26 through 31. And 26 starts off like this. So if anyone tells you there he is out in the wilderness, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms. Look what Jesus says. Do not believe it. Now why does he say this? Because he speak, he's going to fix it to speak to us about the second coming. And we know that the second coming is going to be a very dramatic event. The most dramatic event to ever take place in this world, right? Now once again, the second coming isn't for the church because the church has already been raptured up. The second coming is for Israel and all the unbelievers, non-believers, right? Jesus wants them to come to faith in him in the last days at that seven-year tribulation period, right? And I just talked to you about Jesus has an agenda. He has a plan. And that's to keep that remnant, to keep that Jewish remnant because he remembers his covenant he made. And that one-third that flees is going to come to faith in Jesus, the Messiah, right? Yeshua. And they're going to realize that they were wrong. And they're going to repent. They're going to mourn. They're going to cry out. And when they quote Psalm 118, that's when Jesus comes back. So what Jesus is saying here is, if somebody tells you the Messiah is over here or the Messiah is in that room or the Messiah is in that building, that's what he's saying here. He says, don't believe it. Because when I come back, he's saying, the whole world's going to know that it's me coming back. You don't have to tell, you don't have to have nobody tell you the Messiah is over there. That's what he's saying. Because everybody's going to realize the whole world when at the second coming will know that this is God in the flesh coming back to do what? For war. Coming back 
to get rid of evil and wickedness and set up the eternal kingdom of God. But more importantly, bring that remnant, that one third of the Jewish people that's left alive on the face of this earth. Bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 27. He says, for as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So let's look at that first text. He says, for as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west. Right? He relates this in reference to the sun. Right? Why does he say this? Because everybody, when the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, everybody sees the sun. Everybody sees it. So what he's saying here is when I come back, it's going to be real visible that it's me, right? Sort of like lightning, because he referenced lightning here. Lightning that comes from the east and to the west. East and to the west is reference to the sun. But lightning, when lightning strikes in the sky, you can be in one location, but be miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles away and see the same lightning strike. In other words, lightning lights up the sky, especially in a bad thunderstorm. The whole sky is lit up where you can see it. He said, when I come back, the whole world's going to see. Why? Because the light of Jesus will shine and light up the entire sky, the entire world. That's what he's saying here. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So he's saying, this is the second coming. And the second coming is going to be very, very dramatic. See, just like lightning strikes, doesn't matter where you are, you see it. The entire sky lights up. Jesus says, when I come back, it doesn't matter what location you're in. It doesn't matter what building you're in. It doesn't matter where you are, he's saying, because you're going to know that it's me coming back at and for the second coming. Verse 28. Wherever there's a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Now, if you remember what I always tell you about Jesus, he always goes back and he quotes old scripture. And, and this is something similar to what we read and what we studied and what we know about the story of David versus Goliath, right? The story of David versus Goliath. David, a little shepherd boy, right? Doesn't look like a king. He's a teenage boy at the time. What, 14, 15 years old, some scholars say he was. He goes against this huge giant. Goliath, right? A monster, so to speak. David's the underdog, right? Remember, Saul was in charge then, King Saul. He was afraid of Goliath. The, the army was afraid of Goliath. But here's David, because David had a heart for God, and David walked with God, the Bible said. When David went to give food to his brothers, he hears this giant screaming from across the valley. And, and all the armies, the Israel army, are shaking. They're afraid of this monster, this giant. But not David. Right? And Goliath comes out and David says, Give me, I'm going to fight him. And Saul says, You're going to fight him. Saul says, You want my armor? And David said, I don't need your armor because I have God. Right? And long story short, you know the story. But when David looks across the valley and Goliath sees him, Goliath laughs and makes fun of David. Right? But what did David tell him? You know, David said, you come to me with a sword, you're right, but I come with you with the Lord God of Israel, right? And today, David says, when you come against me, I will take your flesh and feed it, what? To the birds. In other words, the story of David versus Goliath 
It's speaking about victory. It's speaking about redemption because it's a story about redemption. It's a story about God moving through one person, David, to save an entire nation. And just like God did that, God's going to work through the son of David, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, right? To bring victory to those who believe and have faith in him. That, and when, when Jesus says this, whenever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. So what he's saying here is this, that in the end, when I come back for the second coming, I'm coming against the world when I come back because the whole world is going to be against Israel. And we know that when Jesus comes back, he steps foot on the Mount of Olives, right? But, but not too far from the Mount of Olives, there's, there's a mountain called Megiddo, right? Armageddon as we know it. Some, some of you Bibles, some of you might know it as what the Bible says, the battle of Gog versus Magog, right? See, when Jesus comes back, that's where he's coming back. He's coming back to judge. He's coming back to do what? To get rid of evil is what he's doing, right? And, and we know this, that where this battle of Megiddo, the battle of Armageddon, right? The, the, the battle of Gog and, and Magog, when that takes place on the side of that is the valley of Jehoshaphat, right? And what does Jehoshaphat mean? It means God judges, so we know that God's coming back to do what? Not to save, but God is coming back to do what? He's coming back to judge. Now, this mountain of Megiddo or Armageddon, the battle of Armageddon, means a mountain of destruction, right? And this is where this battle is going to take place, right? And we know that Jesus, when he comes back, is going to speak one word. And when he speaks that one word, when he lands on the Mount of Olives, when he speaks one word, all those armies... That's against Israel. They're going to be put to shame. They're going to be defeated. Because when he speaks a word, right, what happens? Fire comes down from the heavens and destroys the entire armies of the world. And they're left open out in the field. You see, when a dead body's out in the field, what happens? The vultures come and pick at them, right? And pick at them. So what Jesus is saying here in this scripture is... Wherever there's a carcass, the vultures... But Jesus says, I'm coming back to judge the world and to destroy evil and wickedness. That's what that means. And I'm going to feed your body, just what David said, to the birds of the air. And when Jesus comes back and speaks the word and fire from the sky comes down, destroys the armies that's coming against the nation of Israel, then what happens? They're going to be left dead out in the open. That's what Jesus is saying here, right? Now, the next few verses, we're going to speak about the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus, right? Now, again, there's two different events. I want you to understand that. A lot of people think this. A lot of people think that the rapture of the church happens at the second coming. That's simply not true. Because we know at the rapture of the church, Jesus comes down halfway into the heavens, into the sky. And we know that the dead in Christ rises up first and those who are alive and well are snatched up in the blink of an eye, the Bible says. The Apostle Paul talks about that in First and Second Thessalonians. You can read that, right? But we know at the second coming, it's a different event, right? Because at the second coming, Jesus comes all the way down to earth, right? 
And we're going to find out in a second. There's two different things that you need to look for. Dealing with the sun and the moon. The sun and the sky, so to speak, right? And we're going to talk about that in the next couple of verses here. But before we jump in to Matthew 24, I want to look at a few other verses that pertain to the rapture of the church, right? And those signs what to look for with the sun and the moon. Open up your Bibles to Joel, the prophet Joel. It's in the Old Testament. In chapter 2, verses 30 through 32, this is what it says. I will show you wonders in heaven and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke, right? Now, let's just look at the first verse right here that, that I just read. I'm going to continue on with verses 31 and 32 in a couple of minutes. But this verse that I just read might not be well known to some of us, right? But if you come from a Jewish background, the Jews read this verse every year at Passover, right? See, during the week of Passover, there's a mandate in Jewish culture to tell the story of the Exodus that took place 3,500 years ago. That's just part of their religion in Judaism. That's what they do during the week of Passover, right? You see, as they begin to speak about the Exodus, right? The Passover story, right? They start off with this verse right here. Now, this verse isn't speaking about the redemption that took place 3,500 years ago. What I just read to you in Joel chapter 2, verse 30. This redemption is speaking about what's going to happen at the end times. That's what this is talking about, right? Let's read it again. I will show you wonders in the heaven and on the earth. Blood, fire, and billows of smoke. But he continues to say this. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So what we see here. This is speaking of the rapture of the church. How do I know that? Because he said, Joel, the prophet Joel, God through the prophet Joel said, the sun will be dark. So right before the rapture of the church, we can say the sun's going to be dark, but the moon's going to be blood red. Right? And how do I know it's the rapture of the church? Because he says it right here. Before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. That's speaking of God's wrath. Right? That's what they're escaping, right? You can might you might say, what is there what, what is one escaping here? The content tells us. This is speaking of the day of God's judgment, God's wrath on this earth. But the promise is this prior to this, prior to God's wrath on this earth, right? Prior, the sun's gonna be dark, the moon's gonna be blood red, there's gonna be a lot of cosmic changes taking place, right? Let's look at another scripture. Let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verse 12. I watch as he opened the sixth seal, John says. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair, while the moon turned blood red. When did this happen? The prophet Joel just told us, before the terrible day of the Lord, of God's wrath. 
wrath. Let's look at Revelation 6, verses 16 and 17. They call to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of Him. They're talking about Jesus, the Lamb right here, the wrath of God, who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great and dreadful day has come and the wrath has come. And who can withstand it? So in this verse, we see that many people here are fearing. Why? Because the wrath of God has taken place, right? So we see all these verses, right? Are announcing the wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of the Lamb. And why the Lamb, you say? Because God sends all matters of judgment, right? At the end, at the end times, to His Son Jesus. So this means that Jesus is the one responsible for pouring out the wrath of God, right? But before he does, there's going to be some signs. And that sign's going to be the sun's going to be dark and the moon's going to be blood red. And when would all, all of this take place? Before the coming of the day of the Lord's wrath. So this tells us that this will happen, right? The sign of the sun being dark and the moon being blood red right before the wrath of God. And remember what Joel tells us here. This is the last opportunity to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? You see, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that you are saved. You are saved. Now, it doesn't mean that you, you might not get no rewards here on earth. You're not going to be maybe invited to the supper of the Lamb, but you are saved if you believe in your heart and profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior. If you believe that He's the Messiah, that He died and He rose again. And if you believe after 40 days on earth that He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, then you are saved, the Bible says, right? You see, you need to receive Him. You need to believe in your heart and profess with your mouth so you can be removed from this earth before the wrath of God hits. Amen? Verse 29. Immediately after this tribulation, some of your Bibles might say the stress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaking. A lot, of, a lot is taking place in this verse right here. Let's break this down. Let's look at the first text. Immediately after the distress or the tribulation of those days. Now what tribulation is he speaking about? Well, the prophet Jeremiah tells us. Jeremiah 30 verse 7 says this. How awful that day will be. No other will be like it. It will be a time of trouble for Jacob. But he will be saved out of it, right? This is speaking to the nation of Israel. Because Jacob is Israel. We know that. So this tribulation that we're speaking about, right, begins in verse 16. Because the church has already been raptured up, right? How do I know that? Because I'm fixing to tell you and show you in this scripture, right? Let those that are in Judea, what Jesus says, flee to the mountains. And when they flee to the mountains, what happens? God's wrath takes place. The tribulation, the wrath of the Lamb takes place. And who's suffering? The Jewish people and non-believers. Why? Because God wants to grab their attention. He wants them to turn to Him and to seek the truth, to seek Him. 
But look what else it says. Look at the second half of that text. So, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Right? Now, this doesn't say that the moon, the sun's dark. Yes, it says it. But it doesn't say the moon's blood red. It says that the moon's dark right here. So this is a different event. Right? This is what Daniel spoke about in Daniel's 70th week. It's at the end of the final three and a half years of that great tribulation, right? This is when Jacob's trouble will take place, right? Let's go back to verse 15. It speaks about the abomination of desolation. When the Antichrist will say to Israel and the world, follow me, I'm your God, I'm your Savior, worship me, take this mark, right? And we know that mark to be Represented by the number 666. But everybody's going to know what the mark is. Because you can't buy or you can't sell, right? But Israel's going to say no to this. And when Israel rejects the Antichrist and they rebel, they will go through what is known by the prophet Jeremiah in 37, Jacob's trouble. The last three and a half years of this tribulation period, right? The Bible says that two-thirds of the Jewish people will be put to death. It'll be worse than the days of World War II and the Holocaust of what Nazi Germany and Adolf Hitler did with the Jews. However, one-third will flee. And that one-third that flees Jerusalem and flees Judea will be what? That's that remnant of Jewish people that's left over that God will protect, that God will usher in into that millennial kingdom. So we see that the sun and the moon will be dark. So we see that the entire world will be in complete darkness. This is the second coming of Jesus. But look what else is happening. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaking. So we're going to see there's a lot of cosmic activity taking place right before the second coming of Jesus, right? Now, this is very similar to what the prophet Haggai said, because the prophet Haggai talks about the heavens and the earth being shaking, right? And when the heavens and the earth are, are put together in one verse, and it talks about being shaking up, we can think about one thing, and that is creation. So we can say that we're getting ready right here for a new creation to develop. For something new to be created. And I'm speaking about the establishment of the kingdom of God. This is going to be a new reality, right? So looking at the verse, right before the second coming of Jesus, is going to be total, total darkness. Verse 30. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, right? So this is speaking of His second coming here, right? Now remember, What's the sign of the rapture? What's the difference? The rapture and the second coming, both the sun are dark. But the rapture, the moon's what? Blood red. The sky's blood red, you can say. But at the second coming, the moon's what? It's total dark. So at the second coming, there's total darkness throughout the world, right? This is going to be the most dramatic event to ever take place in the world. It will be total darkness right before Jesus comes back, right? And then all of the people, look what it says, of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man in the clouds with power, with great glory, right? So the second coming happens 
when the entire world is in total darkness. Why? Because you see Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He's the light of the world. And when the Jewish people, that one-third that flees to the wilderness, for three and a half years, God's going to cut the day short so they can survive. Jesus talked about that last week in last week's lesson. But they're going to repent. They're going to cry out to God. They're going to cry out to Jesus. They're going to know that He's the Messiah. They're going to know that they were wrong. And they're going to lament. They're going to mourn. And they're going to quote Psalm 118. Blessed, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And when, he, when they say that, these people cry out and they say that. That's when Jesus tells an angel. I believe it's Michael, the archangel, right? Our protector in battle. I believe it's going to be him that's going to blow the ram's horn, that shofar. And when he blows it, right? Jesus... With us, the church, Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, are coming back here to what? To judge. We're coming back with Jesus to this earth to destroy the evil, destroy the wickedness, to put shame on the enemies of God's chosen people, God's chosen nation. And when they look up and Jesus steps out of heaven and into the sky, this whole sky will be lit up like a light. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world, right? Zechariah 12.10 tells us this, And I will pour out on my house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look upon me, the one that they have pierced, and they will mourn. For him as one mourns for only one child. And one that grieves bitterly for him as one who grieves for a firstborn son. So when they cry out and they quote Psalm 118. And Jesus steps out of the heavens and comes down into the sky. The whole sky lights up. It's bright again. Remember, the whole world is in total darkness now. But when Jesus steps out of the heaven and comes back for his second coming, the whole world, sky, is bright. There's light. Why? Because he's the light of the world. When they see that, they're going to mourn. But it's a joyful mourning, right? It's a mourning of glorious, of, of praising, of glorifying Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua. And what will Jesus do, right? Look at verse 31. And he will send his angels out with a loud trumpet. And they will gather his elect from the four winds. One from each end of the heavens to the other. So we said this, that Jesus tells an angel, an archangel, to blow the shofar. He comes down, and as he comes down, the Bible says here, they will gather, he will gather his elect. His elect is speaking about Israel, those believers that come to faith in him in the last days. From the four winds, the four winds means the world, right? You see, Jews from all over the world, they're going to flock back to Israel. That's a prophecy that's being fulfilled today. 
and those that flock back to Israel, those that are in the one-third, doesn't matter where they are on this earth, if they flee to Israel, and when the abomination of desolation happens, they flee to the wilderness, it doesn't matter. God's going to protect them. See, God's not going to leave one Jew behind that comes to faith in Him. That's what He's saying here, right? Doesn't matter where you are in the world. Most going to flock back into Israel. But God's going to protect you because you're a believer. He will not forget one Jew. He's going to remember all His chosen people. Why? Because it's from His chosen nation. He says all those people that call upon the name of the Lord, right, will be saved. So he says from the four winds, from one end of the heavens until the other, right? See, if you were Jew and you left on earth at the end times, you call upon the name of Jesus. You call upon the name of the Lord. But this message can also be for us today. That we need to continue to call upon Jesus. We need to call upon the name of the Lord. We need to obey Him, right? We need, to, we need to seek forgiveness with Him. We need to have an intimate relationship with God's Son, Jesus Christ. Because the only way to the Father, John 14, 6 says, is through who? Jesus Christ. Amen? And that ends our lesson for today. We'll be back next week, continuing on. In the book of Matthew chapter 24. Until next week. Y'all have a blessed and wonderful week. We appreciate you all tuning in and listening. Go be the light for someone this week. Take care. We love you. God bless.